Praise the Lord. We're beginning a season of fasting shortly. Some have already started. Isn't that going to be good? Well, there's one person keen about it. <laughs> I'm not fussed on fasting personally, but uh, I do see the benefits of it though. And, uh, and I want to just encourage us and inspire us. I want to just share with you a message on fasting for breakthrough. Fasting for breakthrough. Fasting for breakthrough. In Matthew and Mark 9 and verse 23, Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. In other words, possibilities that we have not thought of can open up to us if we will believe God. Opportunities we've not entered into or experienced can open up to us if we'll believe God. Your life changed when you believe God. You got filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak in tongues when you believed God. Believing God is the only way that we can bring the realm of the supernatural into the earth. I must be a person of faith. I must be a person who believes God. And so this year, I wonder if there's some person that you would have that you really value, that you think about, that uh, you care about, but they're not saved. I wonder if they'll get saved this year. Well, you could pray, I guess. But ultimately, since they're in your realm of connections, it's your responsibility to believe God for them and see a breakthrough. It's wonderful to enjoy great meetings where the presence of God comes. It's wonderful to sit in an inspiring atmosphere and say, I believe. But faith must be outworked practically. The, de- the demons, the Bible says the devils tremble, they believe and they tremble. Doesn't do them any good, doesn't get them saved. So faith has to be active to be pleasing to God and to bring heaven to earth. Our faith must be operating. It must have a practical outworking in our life. So I think that we would all say that Jesus died for every person in our city and region. We would all agree on that. We would also all agree that God does want them to be saved. We know the Scripture. God's not willing that any should perish, all should come to salvation, all repent. So we know our friends that are unsaved, one, God has provided for them salvation, two, it's His will that they be saved. So what is the problem? Good question, isn't it? What is the problem? You've probably reached out and tried, got discouraged and disappointed, and then stepped back, and then changed the bar. Well, I'll just get along with them like they are. And you lose very easily that passionate determination to see the people in our world saved and reach for Christ. Yet God has commissioned us, not given a suggestion. He's given us a mandate to disciple our city, to disciple our region. And that means individuals at all levels of society coming into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and people who have come to Christ and been joined to the church and set free and starting to walk with God, starting to then bring their influence into the community as well. We cannot draw back from what God says is the mandate to the church, not the suggestion. When week after week we struggle 
with limited numbers of visitors or struggle in our witnessing attempts and struggle uh, to see people one for Christ, there has to be something that's blocking that. And it'll be partly to do with us, it'll be partly to do with them, but the solution lies with us. And so this year I wonder what people in your world will be saved, because at the beginning of this year you made a decision, I will believe God for them. I wonder what opportunities will open up for you, because at the beginning of this year you decided, I will step out of passivity and I will believe for the situation to change. I wonder what situation in your life you have accommodated maybe for years. You've lived with it. Say, well, that's just me. But could you see that could change if you believe God? And could you see how your life would be so different? Perhaps it's a financial area. Perhaps it's a marriage area, a relational area. It doesn't really matter what the area is. All things are possible to him that believes. That's what Jesus said. So I want to share with you and take that Scripture in, in its context and share with you that there are some things that actually stand in the way of that happening. And if we don't understand, we'll literally fall under the influence of those things and not break out of where we are. And I believe it's breakout time. Break out personally, break out corporately, break out into our, the world around us, break out into different areas of expression. It's time to break out. And so God has been shaking us and shifting us on the last year, telling us for two years it's about time to change and puts pressure on our life to break us up internally so we don't we're not so secure and safe, so we're ready for change. You know, when you transplant a plant, you dig around it. So God's been breaking up the root system, the fallow ground in our lives in the last year, but now we have to do some things to move forward. That's exciting. And so prayer and fasting is really about that. Uh, this, did you realize that there's only one currency operates in heaven? It's the currency called faith. Faith. Believing faith persevering, determined faith that God is not changing. He is who He says He is. His Word will do what it says it will do. I will not yield and give way to what I feel and see. I will let the Word and power of God, I will hold it till it changes what I see. See, most of us just live from experiences and whatever. Now, the Bible makes it very clear of the reality of spiritual conflict. Now, for most Christians, there's a measure of awareness of it. But I can tell you the day you decide that you will engage in soul winning, you engage in spiritual conflict. The day you decide you will break out in your finances, and break the poverty and the cycles of debt, and break into new ways of believing God to prosper, you are declaring war on a spirit being. The day you decide you won't live with the thing in your heart that's held you back, but you will push against it and break out of it, no longer be limited, you are declaring war. And so in Ephesians 6 verse 12 it says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. For a lot of Christians, I think you could just about knock out everything after we do not wrestle. See, it's, it's like 
you know, WWF, the, the World Wrestling. You know, they get in the ring and there's a fight goes on. I know it's staged, that one's staged. But the one you're in isn't staged. The one you're in is a real one. And here you are, dressed up for church in your nice costume in the ring. You've got to fight. Have to decide this year, I will stand up. I will shift in my inner life. Amen. See? Now, spiritual powers affect the way we think. They affect your emotions. They affect your actions. The Bible tells us, very specifically, over our region, over our city, there are a number of spiritual powers that push against us and infest our minds and thoughts continually with certain kinds of thinking. And assigned to you personally, there will be a few little demons there that harass you every day. They buzz around you like flies. This time of the year, I love summertime, but there's one thing I hate about summertime, and that is flies. How many, like, how many hate flies? And in our home, I hate flies, and I like fly spray. My wife does not like fly spray. I don't like flies. I've done a bit of research on flies. The Bible call is, calls uh, the devil, Beelzebub, the lord of flies. Come from originally... Uh, in the, the, the God worship by the Ekronites was called uh, Baal, Baal, Zebul. And Baal, Zebul was the god of the dung heap and the god of flies. Huh? And they, they believed that, that, that he controlled how things went in the nation. And so they worshiped that god. And a uh, terrible thing, really, the lord of the flies. And so Jesus was called the Lord of the Flies. It's because they, they said Beelzebub is the Lord of Demons. So they equated the buzzing of flies with demons. So when I see flies around home, I think that's just like demons, isn't it, really? I did a little bit of a look-in about flies. I didn't like what I found, actually. They go from the dung heap or where someone or something has excreted on the ground to your food. They go directly to your food. Now, well, you've thought about that. Next time you see a fly, if you could just zoom in with your Superman power vision and look at the fly, you'd see up to six million bacteria attached to his feet from where he last rested in the dung heap. And there he is looking around for you to land on and your food. And when they land on your food, they vomit. and release bacteria, which helps break down the food so they can eat it. I don't like flies. And even though I'm not comfortable with fly spray, I prefer it to flies, because I have this picture in my mind of where that thing's been, and just it's about to come and vomit on that food that I'm about to eat. And of course, they lay, they lay eggs. And, uh, you know, have you ever been down the Dannyburg when you put a bit of meat up to hang and the blowflies come around? They, you never see them, but you do find the little eggs they've laid, you know? When you've hung some meat, you've got to wrap it up in, in, in some gauze stuff there so that it doesn't get fly-blowing. When they get fly-blowing, the blowfly finds its way in. They're relentless in finding their way in through any little gap. And you go out to that lovely sheep that you've killed and hung up there ready, and you're looking forward to some lovely roast, and you come out there, and, oh, no! There's a little gap and there's a fly in there. You know what's going to find. You're going to find somewhere some eggs, and if you've left it a few days, it'll be more than eggs. It'll be crawling. It'll be crawling. 
They get onto sheep, they lay it in their ears, they lay it in their back. That's, that's Beelzebub, the Lord of flies. So demons are just like flies. Every time you think of flies, just think, now that's a spiritual picture of the spiritual realm of flies. Flies are like demons that buzz around and want to settle and want to vomit on you and want to lay eggs in you and want to mess your life up big time. Well, don't think they're not there just because you can't see them. The presence of flies is a great reminder that they do come and they come in seasons and they come to rest in your head. They do. So you've got to make a decision whether you will deal with them or not. We all have to do that. Now, here's the interesting thing about flies. The life cycle of a fly is about 21 days, which is a good time to do a fast. <laughs> it's one of the reasons we fast 21 days. You find often in the Bible they did 21-day fast, 7-day fast, 21-day fast, 30-day fast, 40-day fast. They're very common. Daniel did a 21-day fast. Now, what was the first thing that happened? Well, a big fly manifested. He had a conflict in the spirit world. There was absolutely no answer for 21 days. He had to hold on for 21 days. Then it was over. And so flies, if you will persist in dealing with them over 21 days, then that's it. They and their eggs are gone. Uh, they have a limited life cycle. So, so fasting uh, for a period of three weeks is a very powerful way of disrupting demonic influence around either our own life around us as a corporate body, or around the people or situations you're interested in. Now, think about this. How many believe that God has called you to be a priest unto Him, minister to Him, and experience Him, and bring His blessings? We do. There are a few that people are. That's wonderful. rest think I'm talking about Catholics. I'm not talking about Catholics. We're all called to do that. Okay, then. So don't get me off on telling jokes now. It'll be bad. <laughs> but we're also called to be kings. Is that right? You are called to be a king, and a king has an area over which you have dominion. You have a realm over which you assert your dominion. And we are called, Jesus is called the king of kings. He is the king, we're the kings of which he is the king. And he calls us to enter a community and begin to influence the spiritual atmosphere and the relational environment and the values and everything that goes on there to bring heaven into the earth. You are a king, and you have a particular sphere of influence, and it's a, no other person has that sphere of influence. And here's the thing. That sphere of influence is totally fly-blowing. It's riddled with flies. They infest it, laying their eggs. It's our job to enter in the realm of the Spirit and practically turn up and to bring about some change. So this period of fasting we're coming into as a church is about bringing about some change. Bring about some that. Now, one of the things that all of us need to recognize is that around our life often are what's called familiar spirits. Familiar spirit is a spirit that is uh, familiar with you. It knows your ways, knows your lifestyle, knows your life, knows how you operate. They watch you for a fair while. Often they've been in a family line. And so you could have a familiar spirit of fear. And consistently it would speak into your mind in the first person, so you think it's me and you feel afraid, you think fearful thoughts, your mind fills with doubt. It's hard to believe the promise of God because a fly is speaking into your head. A demon is speaking to you, and you're listening to it. Remember what God was saying over the last two Sundays? 
Number one, about positioning yourself to hear the voice of God. Last Sunday was about what voices are you listening to? This year, we need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and hearing Him very, very clearly. Faith comes. Faith comes when you hear a rhema, a spoken word, God speaking into your heart and life. Faith comes. And faith enables us to rise inside, and no matter what we see, to believe we can change that. It will change. Initially, you hope it'll be different. Then you know it'll be different. It's only a matter of time before it changes and shifts. And in the meantime, we have to hold that position of faith, hold the Word of God over that personal circumstance, believing, persevering, and engaging that situation personally. So that's faith. And without faith, you can't please God. So I want us to get into the realm of faith. Now, familiar spirits will try and control your life and restrict your life. So in the season of three weeks of prayer and fasting, I want us to consider what areas of our personal life we need breakthrough. And one thing, you can, if you don't even know, you can start fasting, you'll start to find out. It'll all start to come up. Second thing is, what areas in your sphere of influence, finances or relationships, or even people that are unsaved? And I want to, what, 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 what in there would you want to see changed this year? If there was something you could change in your life, what would it be? That would be a good thing to write down as top of the list for prayer and fasting. If there was some person you wanted to see saved, who would that be? Write their name down. If there was some circumstance you wanted to change, what would that be? Write it down. You see, when you identify it and write it down, you're now becoming specific about what you're going to, you're hoping God will work to change. And from hope, we need to move to faith, and then we start to see the changes. Otherwise, we will substitute true, active, living, working, functional, supernatural faith we're just cruising along and think we're doing right because we're enjoying God for ourselves. Oops, that one went down well, didn't it? Okay, let's go and do Mark chapter 9. And uh, <clears throat> verse, uh, pick it up in verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. And when they saw him, the people were greatly amazed and they ran to him and greeted him. They loved Jesus. And he asked the scribes, what are you talking about with them? One of the crowd said, teacher, I brought to you my son, who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him, he foams at the mouth, gnashes at the teeth, becomes rigid. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. I've got that underlined. They could not. It was a situation resisting change. They couldn't do it. He said to them, you faithless generation, how long shall I bear with you? Be with you. How long shall I be with you? Bring him to me. When they brought him to him and he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground, wallowed, and foamed at the mouth. And so he asked his father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from a child. Often it's thrown him in the fire and into the water to destroy him. If he can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. What was the issue? Faith. If you can believe, then you get the breakthrough. It doesn't matter how many uh, failures you've had. It doesn't matter what's tried in the past. No matter who prayed for it in the past. Doesn't matter how resistant it was in the past. If you can believe, it will change. But you must believe. He said, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. In other words, Jesus nailed what the problem was that stopped the power of God changing a life for good. It was 
unbelief. A spirit of unbelief. And so then it says, when Jesus saw the people came running, he rebuked that unclean spirit. Notice what he said. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him, enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, come out of him. He looked like he was dead. And then he said, he's dead. I love that. He's dead. You've killed him. And Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he rose. And when he came to his house, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we do it? Why did that problem resist us? Why could we not get through the healing? Why could we not get through deliverance? Why could we not get the breakthrough? He said, this kind comes out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. But if you look at it in Matthew 17 and verse 20, he says, they said, why couldn't we do anything here? Why couldn't we cast out? And Jesus said, verse 20, because of your unbelief. If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you would speak to that mountain and it would be removed. However, this kind only comes out, except nothing, it only comes out, uh, it does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Notice the statement, this kind. There are some kinds of problems will not yield except this prayer and fasting. Some problems won't yield. They will not yield. He's saying because there are some demonic spirits that will so block the power of God that nothing will happen. And so when nothing happens, you get discouraged, disheartened. You feel as though it's a very difficult situation. And then in your heart, you draw back, influenced by unbelief, to no longer believe it's possible. You just hope it'll happen, maybe. And I believe... That's where many of us are at right now. You notice that Jesus called this a deaf and dumb spirit. I want to talk about that. Remember in the last two weeks we spoke about the necessity of hearing the voice of God and the necessity of positioning yourself to hear God, spending time with Him, listening, and then how many voices come. Now, you notice what this boy had. He had a deaf and a dumb spirit. Now, there are a number of ways that that thing manifests. And the Bible says it was from he was very young. So he actually had a spirit operating in his life. A demon had access to his life and operated. It was a deaf and dumb spirit. So initially, it says epileptic. It looked like he was having epilepsy and convulsions and so on. But Jesus nailed it. He says it's a deaf and a dumb spirit. Now, a deaf and a dumb spirit affects people in many different ways. So uh, not just one way. Sometimes we think, oh, well, it means he's deaf, he can't hear, dumb, he can't speak. End of story. I want you just to expand your thinking about this. A person who is deaf doesn't receive, they can't hear. They can't hear. So certainly a deaf and dumb spirit will block people physically from hearing, but it'll do more than that. That spirit will actually access so they don't hear things that people say either, and they don't hear what God says either. Notice what Jesus said. He said that they have ears that they hear, but they don't really hear at all. They have eyes that they see. They don't really see at all. In other words, he's saying there's a spiritual influence around their lives, and even though you talk to them, they don't hear. I wonder how many times God has spoken prophetically on a Sunday, and that word was for you, but you just didn't hear it because you never thought that applies to me. It's just a message. That means you didn't hear God speak to you. You just heard a message. That's what a, a deaf and dumb spirit will do. Deaf and dumb spirit affects people's capacity to think. It uh, creates attention uh, difficulties. 
It creates confusion in the mind. It also creates difficulty in understanding. It creates difficulty in, uh, uh, it creates difficulty in focusing and concentrating. So a deaf and dumb spirit, when it's upon a person's life, will affect many areas of a person's life. So it could affect them physically. They can't speak and they can't hear. But it can also do other things. It can affect their whole capacity to learn. It's quite interesting, often when people are struggling with learning, people label them, you're dumb. And why would they say that? Dumb means you can't speak. Or does it? So clearly... When they label a person dumb, the understanding we all have about what that means is, is not just about whether you can't speak. It means you're thick as a brick and you don't understand and you're just a slow learner and why are you in our class? It's actually a derogatory term to put someone down about their capacity to understand and to learn. Isn't that right? There's a spirit behind this. And I have seen some people get that on them and they, when they get it on them, I'll just say it straight, they become thick. In the Maori language, they have a term called totra head. Totra is a very thick wood. And it's like, they, the meaning is, nothing penetrates. It means like, nothing's getting through. We're talking, and going, go, 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 but nothing is getting through to this person. They are not hearing, not understanding. You think how many times that interferes with relationships, and you don't hear, don't understand, and miss totally what's going on. You're not hearing. There's something influencing what's going on, something of a spiritual nature, spirits. How many times have you talked to someone who was unsaved, and you shared the gospel clearly, and it's like, they didn't hear a word of it, didn't have a clue. Now, for you, it's, whoa, this is so simple. One, two, three. And they go, huh? What are you talking about? Have you had that experience? It's a spirit. It's a spirit. And have you noticed that often it comes on as you start to talk, they're very open, then suddenly it'll come on a person while you're talking to them, and suddenly they're now out of their tree, they don't understand, there's distractions going all around, they're no longer here. La, 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 la. It's like they become deaf, although they're not physically deaf. It's a spiritual influence. So a deaf and dumb spirit affects people's learning capacity with confusion, uh, various areas in the mind, various areas of comprehension, understanding, uh, the capacity to learn, capacity to focus. Uh, it's a spirit. It affects people, see? and it impacts them physically, but also impacts our ability to hear and receive from God and to speak the words of God. I'm quite surprised how many people do not regularly practice speaking the word of God. I wonder why not. When speaking the Word of God is one of the ways to enforce the kingdom of God over your circumstances in life. You must speak the Word. What we do is speak our problem. And uh, so you notice there also, uh, he, Jesus raised something else. So this Spirit controlled the young man. And I want you to see, just so you can see the nature of it, the Spirit not only controlled him and stole his destiny, it tried to destroy his life. So wicked spirits come to shut us down, to stop us hearing God prophetically, hearing and receiving revelation, hearing and coming into a place of faith that would move our life and our circumstances to another level. See? Now, say for example, in the business world. The business world, I've been all around the world and I've seen from the Bible and seen in, in different parts of the world how God uses businessmen. 
And when I go to many parts, I see that businessmen are the, the forerunners. They are the front of all God is doing. But I find in New Zealand, it's not so. There'll be some instances of it. There are many wonderful people who are doing some great things for God. But on the whole, it's like they do not hear. Just blah, 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 blah. When it comes to your business and finance, they cannot seem to hear that actually God has got wisdom and perspective on how to succeed, how to expand, how to advance His kingdom, how to really make things work. It's like blah, 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 blah. Church is Sunday. This is business. It's Monday. Can you understand that? There's something, there's a spiritual power at work because I've seen when it's not there and I've seen when it is there and I can tell you it's different. And it has to do with the development of faith. Now, here's the interesting thing. Our spirit of unbelief always is what empowers the deaf and dumb spirit. So you notice that he said, here's what he said the problem is. The problem is with the disciples, he said, your unbelief, you were not operating in faith enough to shift this problem. And then he spoke to the father, and the father was aware. He said, if it, it, notice he said it like this. He didn't put him down. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. He put it very positively. He didn't say, you're full of unbelief. But he did speak to the generation and say, the problem with this current generation, there's no faith for the miraculous. It's a spirit of unbelief rests on people. Fix them. I'll show you how to fix people and show us what we can do exactly to push through that. We need to push through. We need to push through into places of faith, into places we haven't gone before, into places of risk. Oh, I don't like the idea of risk. That's a four-letter word. Don't use that four-letter word here, please. No, but that's faith. Faith always can take some risks. Step out. And so will you always succeed? No, 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 no. There'll always be some failures. But persevering faith will say, well, God says it, and I will persevere until my experience is the same as what the Word of God says, rather than bring the Word down to my experience. Does that make sense? Persevering faith. So notice he said, so, he, so to the crowd he said, there's a whole atmosphere of unbelief sits on this place. That's what makes this kind of miracle hard to perform. Uh, Jesus came into his own town. He could do no work because, a mighty work because of their unbelief. So he said, unbelief, a spirit of unbelief comes upon an individual or a group or a church or a, a community and it sits like a thick, heavy atmosphere. And when it's there, it's like when you've got a, 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 a muggy day. When you've got a muggy day, you can't even see a thing that's different much, but you feel sweaty and hot and irritable, there's something in the atmosphere is affecting you. So when a spirit of unbelief sits over people or over a, a body of people or individuals or whatever, or suppose it's affecting you about some situation in your life, the kind of things that will go through your mind and will affect, this is what will happen. There will be evidence that's operating. There will be doubt. There will be skepticism. These are the fruit of a spirit of unbelief. Doubt, skepticism, uh, fault-finding, problem focus, See? critical negativity. All of these things will be there. It's too hard. A feeling of hopelessness. It'll never change. A sense of it's too big, too hard. I don't reckon this is ever going to shift. 
It'll never, never change. That's how it is. We just got to live with it. All things are possible to him that believes. If you agree with a spirit of unbelief, there is no hope for you of changing that situation. So if you've witnessed to someone, made a whole lot of efforts to reach out to them, befriend them, do whatever to win them to Christ, there's been absolutely no response. Could be a spouse, a family member, could be someone who's caught in some kind of bondage or situation, and you've kind of, after a period of time, got worn down. And once you got worn down, spirit of unbelief began to sit on you. Ah, oh, I don't think that's ever going to change. So we get filled with hopelessness, despair, and a feeling of sadness comes around us because it's something that just is so resistant, we can't see any, we can't see any way through it. And that's not what the Bible says. All things are possible to him that believes. So when Jesus saw the crowd, he spoke to the crowd and said, the problem is an atmosphere of unbelief. When he spoke to the Father, he put hope in him by not saying anything negative. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Man, there's a whole lot of unbelief. Lord, help me get over the unbelief. Can you see? He, he put it in a very positive way. And when he put it like that, the man become aware of the problem. Now, when he spoke to the disciples, he spoke quite differently to disciples. Disciples come up and said, how come we found? He said, simple, your unbelief. You were so influenced by the prevailing atmosphere and by the difficulty of the problem and the initial resistance to your ministry, you gave up. We can't do it. You came into agreement, this is too hard for God. Now remember, these guys had cast out heaps of demons, cleansed the lepers, done all kinds of miracles. This one sank them. And so they wanted to know, man, we've had a winning track. Now we've got a failure. How come we've got a failure? He said, this is the problem. It's your unbelief. That's why I hate it. If someone's sick of cancer and a person goes to them and prays for them and tells them it's all their sin, that's the reason. Jesus said, well, there are some situations, it's the person ministering. It's their problem. Someone needs faith. So if the person hasn't got it, have you got it? They brought their friends to the Lord. I don't know whether he had faith. He was on the, he was on the, uh, the stretcher. They said, I don't know whether they just said, listen, we're sick of carrying you around. We're sick of looking after you and, and you're being so complaining. And we're going to just take you to Jesus because his miracle's there. He said, well, uh, they was, what can you do when you cripple? They just lifted him up and took him. They get there, the crowd's there, say, there, 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 you see, this is not going to work. You know, and all these negativities start to come out and say, no, we're going to find a way, we're going to make a way. They climb up on the roof. Yeah, 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 you can't get down, there's no, no ventilation there. You watch this boy. They just ripped the roof up and lowered him down. They were determined. And Jesus saw their faith. Not his faith, their faith. He's just having the ride of his life. He's crippled. He's got no say in where he goes. So they take him up the top of the roof, alone down through the roof, put him in the middle of the crowd, say, Jesus, do something. He said, your faith. What was about their faith? It just demonstrated it by action. Nothing stopped them. They found a way. When they looked, one way you couldn't get through the crowd, simple, we go through the roof. Can't get through the roof? Rip up the roof. But we will get through. 
You understand that? Like the lady who determined in her heart, I will break through. I will get a hold of a miracle. There's countless examples in the Bible of people who had a grunty, persevering, determined faith that said, it's going to happen. Nothing can stop me. You see, you get that in you, nothing will stop you. But we get a little bit of pushback. We get sort of sissy. Right? We get a little bit sissy. Tell someone he's talking about you now, not me. <laughs> sissy boy. No one wants to be a sissy boy. This is not the kind of name you want to be. But you know, often in the Christian church, often among the followers of Jesus, there are lots of sissy boys. As soon as it gets tough, they quit. Come up the front, they need prayer. <laughs> well, there's a place for that. That's fine. Go on to a seminar, get healing. But stop being a sissy boy. Stand up. Start to begin to believe the Word of God. Hold the Word of God. There's a time to be tender. There's a time to be strong. Time to be tender and worship and tender and open in our heart to face and own things and deal with issues and whatever. There's also time to be stand on the Word of God. So, if there's someone you know that's not saved, are you believing God for that person? And is your faith active in befriending them? That'd be the key, wouldn't it? Okay, so notice what Jesus said. This kind comes out. It does not go. It does not go except by prayer and fasting. In, in Mark it says only by prayer and fasting. Only. It's the only way to get it out. No other way to get it out. Prayer and fasting. That's the breakthrough way. That's God's breakthrough way. Not trying harder, gritting your teeth, hanging on, quitting, giving up, prayer and fasting. Let me just give you a few simple keys in on setting up a fast. Because there's bound to be something that you, just think about this. Ahead of you, this year we've got a whole year ahead full of possibilities and opportunities. But the possibility's got to be in your mind. Then the opportunity comes. There'll be a possibility that it could be different for you and for all of us this year. So you've got to dare to dream. Next week we've got Andy coming. I've asked him, speak on dreaming. Dreaming possibilities. Expanding your thinking. So let me give you two simple keys of what you could do. They're very, very simple. They're quite practical. Number one, I'll just put them under three headings. Eh? Number one, identify the issue. What is the issue or what is it that's resistant to you that you're really looking to change? Be specific. Someone saved, uh, relationship change, and write it down as a goal to fast. That's what my goal is. I'm gonna, this is what my focus is. Number two, identify what kind of fast you're going to do. How long will it be? What kind? Will it be full, partial, or whatever you're going to do? Uh, just, just drinks, just uh, vegetables, or just whatever it's going to be. Just a partial fast, a full fast. You've got to work out what you'll do. And then you have to be proactive. If it's for personal breakthrough, then you need to... Deal with iniquity. Deal with the crookedness in your life. Repent of the crookedness in your life. Bring it before the Lord. Bring it to the cross. Turn away from it. Break soulish attachments. Jesus' name. I break attachments to this person. Attachments to that person. They're ungodly. I break the attachments to that. See? Speak to the spirits. Call them to go from your life. Get assertive inside. Rise up to break out of these things. See? And then you need to embrace and declare what God says. Don't focus on your problems. See the possibilities 
focus on what could be. Oh, yes, by faith I see it. I declare it today, walking in this, walking in that, walking in freedom. I see that person coming to the front of the altar, responding to Jesus Christ. See the possibilities. Pray the Word of God. Keep your focus around that while not ignoring that there are some negatives to push away. See, finally, realize reactions are normal. As you fast, there are going to be some reactions. There will be a number of reactions. There will be reactions in your body to fasting. You get headachy, you get cranky, you get tired, you lose energy, you feel you want to sleep. Sometimes your tongue feels like it's just got something bad on it. Sometimes your body sweats as you get rid of the toxins or whatever out of your body. So just be aware of that. That happens a little bit. After a while, you break out of that and get going. Then in your soul, you may find you get very irritable, very disheartened. You may find actually the problem you were facing suddenly got worse, which is an incredibly good sign. It's very hopeful if it gets worse. Because now you know what you're doing is racking something up. If nothing happens, I find that even more disturbing. But it helps if I see something happen. So you may find that in your soul there's a bit of turmoil and and, uh, stuff comes up. You may find if you're fasting to break through a problem, what I have found that that problem gets worse. It's almost like it puts up this last dying fight to persuade you to give up this fasting business. And so you think, heck, this is bad. I set out to fast to break through this here and it's worse than it's ever been in my whole life. That's a good sign. It means it's fighting to have dominion. You just got to stick with it. You're going to break its power. You got to stick with it and break its power. And then finally, you find spiritually a bit of activity. You find increased presence of God. You find God speaking to you. Clarity comes spiritually, and things shift in the realm of the Spirit, and opportunities open up or breakthroughs come. Sometimes we have no idea what it is we're dealing with, but under fasting, it becomes clear. It's like the veil comes off. Last year, I did a 40-day fast. I don't like doing 40-day fasts. Very hard to do, really. But God gave grace, tremendous grace for that fast. Well, what I found was immense number of things began to shift very quickly, stuff that had been resistant for years. Amazing. Sudden changes quickly. You'd have all felt it. Not knowing what it was, but I've triggered off some of it that way, and there'd be others fasting and praying at the same time. And people together seeking God, things begin to happen. The atmosphere in the church changes. Things start to surface in our lives. Issues start to come up. You begin to start to feel also, well, God is moving. So the place to go is to God. The place to attend to is your relationship with God. Come near to Him through prayer and fasting. As we do that, our sensitivity sharpens. And as you have that season, we're going to fast three weeks. Now, just do whatever you can. And everyone's at different places. If you've had issues with uh, food problems like you anorexia or anything like that, believe me, just don't do this kind of fast. You need to think of some other way to fast because it'll trigger off your problems and uh, you need counsel for those kind of issues at the deeper root issue. But you can do some kind of fasting. So maybe it's just one meal, maybe just certain kinds of things. Daniel just did a partial fast. That was really good. He still kept eating, but it was, he let go all the sweet stuff, and the, the, the meat stuff and the sweet, the meat and the sweet. Let it go. So whatever it is, what possibilities could be ahead for you this year. What things could be? Well, dare to dream while you have the season of fasting. 
and get your pad out and write down, this is what I'm fasting for. This is it. Write it down at the beginning of the year. Put the date on it. This is what I'm believing God for. Write down one, two, three, four. Here's some. I'm going to search the scriptures, get some scriptures to speak over it. I will believe God will give me the breakthrough. Let him do it his way. Don't figure out how it's going to happen. Father, we just thank you. We ask for great grace on us over the next three weeks to fast, to open up the heavens over our lives and new dimensions for new possibilities uh, as we begin to come for corporate prayer in the next three Tuesdays. Father, as we draw near to exalt you and to lift up your name, uh, we believe for increased release of your power and presence around our lives. We release for activation of angels, activation of the Holy Ghost, activation of our faith, release of new things in our lives new possibilities, and we open ourselves up to that. We say grace, release grace to fast. So people will say, Lord, that was so easy. Man, I felt drawn to that. That was just like, it was never like that before. Father, we ask for great grace. We determine to start our year focused on you and to walk through our year knowing that our faith level has come to new levels and new things are happening around us in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, why don't we stand and pray in tongues and give a shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. We lift high your name, O God. Yes, Lord. Now we want to make that victory ours. We rise in the Spirit. Forget Tuesday night. Themas exalt you. Come magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's the key verse. And over these three weeks, we're going to be building your faith through experiencing God. Last week, we have an extended worship beginning of February to be on being filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to believe there'll be a time of getting filled 
drunk, alive in the Holy Ghost, ready to do new things in the coming year. We've got a great three weeks of breaking out. Amen? Amen.